This is Almond Alert presented by LMC Manufacturing. Hey everybody, this is Aubrey Betancourt, President and CEO of the Almond Alliance, and welcome to Almond Alert, joint simulcast with our friends at Western United Dairy, Seen and Heard. I'm joined by Anya Radabaugh, the President and CEO of Western United, and we're here to talk about Landflex Part 2. Uh, we had a, uh, as you know, we've been talking about this uh, program for quite a while. Our two organizations are your designated technical assistance providers, along with a couple of other friends uh, out there in the nonprofit world. And uh, the program was so successful, we're now rolling into part two of that. So we're here to talk about kind of the summary of the program, where it's been, where it's going, who's approved, where to go to do to, to enroll, and some of the things and program processes we've learned in the program, including a really essential component around groundwater recharge, which is crucial when you consider the year that we're in today with regards to flood protection and flood mitigation, particularly for these next round of GSAs. So. Without further ado, welcome to Almond Alert with Seen and Heard, and I'll kick it to Anya Radaba. Anya, how are you doing today? Thanks, Aubrey. I think that the Landflex program has been, as conceived, a wonderful tool for farmers, both in drought, as it was originally conceived, but now we're actually getting to see it tested in times of flood. And so some of the greater success points for Landflex Part 1, and just as a reminder, those GSAs uh, were Madeira, uh, mid I'm sorry, Greater Cahuilla and Eastern Thule. Um, but some of the greater successes we saw were for those growers that had the ability to recharge. And the more and more we talked to farmers, the more we realized it was like, duh, why would I follow my ground in this time and not recharge? Which DWR really liked uh, the cut of that jib. And so they have decided to um, take unused monies and reallocate them to the next four score GSAs. Um, mostly with an emphasis they're hoping on recharge. And so those four GSAs are uh, Pixley, Lower Thule, mid Kuia, and Westlands. And so we're really excited to partner with these next four. Some key differences uh, this round that I think will really help people out um, is that GWR, instead of allocating a specific grant award ahead of time, and kind of pre-designating like how much money each GSA was gonna get. They're actually saying, may the best applicant in each GSA win. Here's a pot of money. We're gonna open the, the portal to growers, hopefully as soon as next week on June 14th, following the conclusion of a few board meetings of these GSAs. But um, essentially growers are gonna go head to head with other growers inside their own GSAs using the scored and selection criteria that's available on landflex.org now. Um, and again, may the best applicant win, nearest and adjacent to dry and domestic wells. Um, but GWR is asking that these GSAs also prioritize key Landflex enrollment for recharge. I think, um, so, I mean, two, two things that we learned so well from phase one into phase two that you've highlighted eloquently as always, one is the um, kind of the ability to stretch the dollar and get the biggest bang for the buck with the grower, with the GSA and with the state, with the goal of, of water, uh, creating wet water in the ground. And that is around that idea of that, for lack of a better phrase, pre-solicitation, the idea that we're just gonna open it up and then drop the money in as opposed to kind of this interesting pre-subscribed piece. 
that's wonky, but I think it actually makes a lot more sense. It makes a lot more sense. And when we go back to a lot of what we talk about in our outreach, which is there is no penalty for, for applying. There is no downside. There is no penalty. There's no punishment. There's no getting iced out. There's no bad scoring. You don't get a bad grade. It's not like school. You apply and that opens up the opportunity to work with us as TAPS, work with your GSA to find the best way for you to be an applicant, the best way for you to look at your situation in light of this program. And it gives you the option to say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and move forward with this program, or actually this doesn't work for me right now and I'm going to opt out. We've always been very upfront about that, that this is a program that isn't for everyone, but it is a tool that allows the farmer some new flexibilities that they need to look through as they're starting to plan their transition uh, towards a Sigma compliant world uh, in their specific basin. So. I think that's the biggest kind of one big lesson we learned in that first round is is really making sure that you remember the best way to open the dialogue. If you're even on the fence or you're even wondering what this program is, the best way to open the dialogue working with the technical assistance teams is to apply. Uh, drop an application in. That indicates for us to go contact you and to start working through your own individual rants and situation and resources to see how best Landflex can help you fill the gaps and get you where you need to go. Or if this really isn't the right time for you to be doing that. So um, truly the name of the program is exactly what it says. It adds flexibility and it's a flexible tool in and of itself. I think the second piece uh, to all of this that is so important is, and we've said it before, it almost surprises us. It's like we've designed too perfect of a program. This thing is actually just as effective towards its ultimate goal of protecting at-risk community wells and protecting our watershed and our water supply in our aquifers has a flood program. So in a drought, Landflex does a great job of boom, stop the bleed, stop the overdraft, save and protect those domestic wells or those at-risk water systems. In a flood, Landflex becomes the ultimate flexible tool for the grower to maintain financial stability and open themselves up for access uh, to assist in mitigating for flood and in recharging the aquifer all of which meets the overall long-term goal of Landflex, which again is the health and prosperity and, and replenishment uh, of, our, of our critical aquifers uh, all across the state. So what you'll notice now, and I think this was a change that was made at the last minute, which I think is actually kind of fun, is when you apply, just even your initial front application, there's a box that says, are you willing to do recharge? And that has become our new favorite box. Um, that also allows for you to work in and with the state and with your GSA and your GSA to work with the state to make sure that we have the regional infrastructure in place to get flood water to you. This is also going to be so important as the snow is melting and it's coming off those lower Sierras where we had another, I forget how many million acre feet of snowpack up there. Um, I just heard Tahoe's skiing until July 4th. So, I mean, that just gives you an idea yeah, the amount of snow Sounds we have right. coming. These lower watersheds are critical for that. Westlands being on the west side, I think their ability to do active water recharge, which they've already been doing um, so, so well uh, on the federal system coming off of that west side. Um, this is going to, I think, provide a really great tool for farmers, again, to be part of the solution uh, and to keep their land in production. Um, so just to be clear, because, you know, Anya, maybe you can help me with this. I had to clear up some questions last week around Landflex, uh, around this idea of, oh my gosh, this is permanent. Why would I do this? 
I permanently am giving up all my water. And I think there's, there's a, I think that's an over, uh, a misunderstanding and an over, um, over assumption of what the contract actually is. You have to remember the, the baseline of Landflex as designed by farmers is to keep the land in farmers control. It's to keep it farming and to keep it viable. So Ani, let's walk through just a refresher of how the contract works with the grower, with the GSA, and uh, and how those numbers break down. Definitely. I think that um, the biggest confusion around Landflex comes from the annual contract for fallowing. It is an annual fallowing contract, again, conceived in drought times. So like I've got a list of things that we might do differently next time. Um, but as conceived, the grower idles that ground for a year, and that's his contract to do so because he is paid on the water savings that he does not use for that first year. That's one key component of three land flex payments. But the contract also includes that the grower gives up his transition water capabilities in perpetuity. And that is an assumption that he was going to get transition water. In some of these basins and in some of these GSAs, I think it's more common knowledge than others that farming based on the assumption that you're going to be allocated transition water now and in the future is a pretty big assumption. And so all farming is a risk. We'd like to clear it up right away. You, the expectation here is that you are giving up your ability to farm using vast quantities of overdrafted water in the future. So you need to think about the acreage that you might enroll in Landflex and what it looks like in 2040 starting in 2024. That's the safest way to think about Landflex acreage. However, a couple things we want to put some big, fat, bold caveats on. You have an, an, an enormous ability and an unending ability to recharge and use that recharge credit. You also have access to any surface water. That is something DWR does not want to touch. Those are the sacred two. Any access um, and recharge pumping credits that you have achieved because you have dropped water in and your GSA agrees, you will still have access to that now and in the future. Any surface water that you may get or may be able to purchase now and in the future, you will also get. So again, biggest clearing up of confusion is we do have an annual contract for following, but the transition water you are giving up in perpetuity. And let's talk about what you're gonna get paid for all that. So. The first component, which is again, the annual contract for following is what we call the domestic well protection piece. That is a guarantee to those underserved communities and disadvantaged communities that you will not be pumping from that aquifer, let's just say an almond orchard on that acre for that year. Following the year of contracted following, you can put that land back into production. It just has to be done using safe yield or sustainable yield, whatever your basin calls it, or safe yield plus recharge credits, or safe yield plus surface water transactions and purchases and or pumping credits. I wouldn't go planning on putting a massive orchard in or some really heavy corn wheat crop following your transition out of that annual contract, but growers need to think about what they wanna do with that property in the future. Cover crops are encouraged, in fact, expected as part of Landflex. We know that right now, this is the worst possible time to be approaching farmers about putting cover crops into the ground. In fact, a lot of people that will likely enroll in Landflex are growing corn in this moment. 
And so because DWR is really changing their emphasis to recharge in this moment, they are completely open to allowing growers to keep that corn in until a cover crop, basically until harvest and a cover crop can be planted. Sorghum, wheat, Sudan grass, mm-hmm. clover, there's a lot of options also contained on landflex.org. If you're a farmer that wants to think about selling hungry dairy cows some wheat, I know some guys that'll buy it. Generally speaking, the next piece is what we call the sustainability payment, otherwise known as the overdraft payment. <clears throat> Again, in the bucket of things that I would do differently next time, I would clarify this is the $1,000 an acre foot the farmer will be paid for his 2023 water year allocation, but it means to cover all of his transition water now and in the future. So if the GSA, and I can go through what those amounts are, Pixley and Lower Thule are giving their growers two acre feet per acre. So that's $2,000 an acre for any enrolled land in Landflex. Um, Mid Kawea is 1.76, I believe, acre feet per acre. And Westlands is 0.76, I think, is what I saw on Friday. Those amounts will be in the calculator, by the way, on landflex.org very soon. So a grower can get on there and start playing around with what he would make off of this piece. Now, I know what you're saying. You're already thinking, okay, but that's a one-time payment for 15 years of transition water. Yes. Yes, that's correct. It's not perfect. It's not going to be for everybody. And if you know you can't take that bet, probably not the best program for you. I understand. This has been a huge hit in Greater Kauia. I think that it's going to continue as we move west um, towards the I-5 to be a bigger hit because transition water is just not as... It's not as, um, I think, predominant in how Sigma is working out there. So the final payment piece for Landflex, the third tier of the ladder, is uh, called the transition payment. If you are an orchard or a vineyard, you are to receive $2,800 per acre to rip out that orchard and ideally plant a cover crop in its stead. If you are following dairy forages, then you would be paid $2,000 an acre. If you are purchasing or following a commodity like tomatoes, cotton, the rate is $250 per acre. And again, this is meant to help incentivize the farmer to make that transition to a more water-friendly crop in the future. So we're looking at payments somewhere between $7,000 and $9,000 an acre total, depending on what you choose to follow. and so those are things for growers to think about on whether they would be a candidate for Landflex. Once the portal opens and we are shooting for June 14th, it will likely be open for two weeks. If we need to extend it, we may extend it for a week, but I strongly recommend that you do not wait, get your application in. We have a whole team of technical providers ready to assist you with screenshots, using the Sigma Viewer and a couple of the other requirements as part of your application. So I guess the big question is on the flip side of that, Anya, which was, that was master's class level description. The flip side of that is if I'm a farmer, I want to know when I'm getting paid. Um, You and I both know farmers look for that certainty. We both farmed. We know these, we know how this works. We need to be able to plan out. So what is the turnaround time on Landflex right now? So as our commitment to growers has been fast, 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 um, the TAPS and DWR are turning around your acceptance of your application within five days 
of the business closing of the application period. So uh, we did meet that commitment last time. I would say within a month, we are now putting all of those growers that were accepted into Landflex in round one under contract. That should actually be done by tomorrow. Tomorrow's Tuesday. Um, and so I think though, the, generally speaking, the payment piece is going to be paid half up front to the grower. So your total award for Landflex, which includes payment for all three of those areas, DWR is splitting it up in half, half up front to cover some costs. And then the plan is we would verify that you actually followed and have a plan for cover crops and you would be paid kind of in a reconciliation manner, making sure you did actually save whatever ET we estimated you had saved on the back end. And so, yes, cover crops use ET. That's like always the first thing people tell me. You need to try to account for that when you put your application in. Usually it's somewhere around half an acre foot per acre if you're curious. So growers can expect to get their first payment within a month um, of their first award notification. And then the following piece, which we hope to have paid out in April or May of 2024. Yep. So the one-year contract. So a full yeah. year, yeah. Okay, correct. Great. All right, so sounds like uh, the to summarize here, unless I'm missing anything, is there anything else we want to cover? I think we got it all. There's a frequently asked questions document on landflex.org right now. And I think that's very helpful for a lot of these miscellaneous questions that we don't need to bore the podcast listener with. But it's really important that um, the growers interaction here has been fantastic. It's been really positive. Um, there's been a lot of questions that we didn't think of that frankly, we've had to solve along the way. Um, and DWR has been an exemplary partner in this. They've been really, I think, um, you know, open to ideas. Um, right now, we're currently facing a challenge where um, some farmers are concerned that they still have to take out a bank loan to pull orchards out. And the half up front doesn't completely cover that. So we're working on some solutions for that. Um, so any question that a grower might have after reading the information contained in landflex.org, please let us know. The list of taps is on there. You can reach out to whichever one you're more comfortable talking to. Um, but we are about to conduct a series of grower mm -hmm. outreach meetings that will likely take place next week, mm -hmm. concurrent with the application opening. And so make sure you watch your GSA. Your, there's a lot of social media that we have. You can actually sign up for Landflex alerts on landflex.org if you're not so sure which GSA you want to communicate with. Um, but this is a really unique program that we designed to assist the farmer in transitioning for Sigma, not the government, not the GSAs. This is more mostly forward-facing for the farmers. And that's really important to Aubrey and I because there's been a lot of Sigma tools, and I think we're going to need them all. No Sigma tool is better than the other, but we bat for farmers and we'll swing for their um, for their bias every day. And it's been a tremendous burden on um, most farmers and growers to try to think about early compliance with Sigma. They just haven't had the tools to help them get there. So uh, DWR has, again, been a wonderful partner in taking the leap forward uh, to providing farmers this tool. I don't think you could have said it any better. I mean, truly folks, if you're listening to that, that, that was the conversation that started this all, um, was how do we get tools in the hands of our farmers to help them transition? We refuse to believe that uh, a farmer has to go extinct for us to achieve the sustainability goals that we have. And in fact, you hear it from us all the time. 
we think the farmer is actually the solution. Um, DWR has been a tremendous partner. And in fact, the changes that you've seen in this program, even in just the first two phases, has been because of you all as farmers enrolling in this, asking these questions, bringing these challenges to us, and the ability to then inform up into the program to get it to be um, more effective. I think that speaks to the to DWR's commitment to the program. It also speaks, I think, to our commitment to you uh, of trying to refine this and make this better. We see this so much as a foundation that then can click into other options and solutions and tools as we go forward. But the only way we're going to know what tools you need is if you talk to talk with us, if you engage in these programs and help us improve them. So, um, you know, those days that you feel like you have no voice in this, you have a voice here. Um, jump into this program, help us make it better and make it work and be more effective for all types of our farmers out there working through this period of time and trying to transition into um, into a, a groundwater healthy future. Um, we think it's achievable. Uh, it just requires the right tools to be in place and advocates to go get them. So Anya, it's always been a pleasure to lock arms with you uh, and to get in there and fight uh, on behalf of our farmers and to keep our farmers farming every way we can. So recap. June 14th portal opens for our next four GSAs. That is Westlands, Pixley, Lower Thule, and I'm missing someone, Mid-Kuya. Yep. Uh, and their information will all be uploaded at landflex.org where you'll be able to look at the calculator uh, and see if this program works for you. That's also where you can sign up to receive uh, Landflex updates to communicate with our team. Our list of technical assistance providers there like Western United, Almond Alliance, and others. Uh, you'll also find the FAQ page. So if you're having questions after listening to this, go check out landflex.org first and then reach out to us. And again, there is no penalty to applying for the program. That's how we open the dialogue and our team starts working with you to see if this is the right tool for you as you move forward in a year like this. Love the highlights. Thank you so much, Anya, for your time today. Uh, again, everyone, Landflex. Uh, 2.0 rolls out on June 14th. Portal will be open. Talk to your GSAs. Look for those uh, announcements for outreach on social media platforms, wherever you subscribe, as well as at landflex.org. And you can always reach out to us at Western United or at Almond Alliance. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.